What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Mongol Show, sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. I'm Mike. With me is Kevin Josh. Fellas, we have not one, not two, but three. Oh, come on. <laughs> twist top didn't make a noise. The twist top. Oh, we got three wins to talk about tonight. Um, guys, cheers. Victory beverages all around. What, uh, what, as I, I'm worried about stepping on a bottle cap now. Um, <laughs> Josh, what is your victory beverage this evening? Uh, whatever tailgate beer got left in my cooler. Uh, Breckenridge oh, nice. Brewery Summer Pills. Fine Colorado Ales. Kev, is yours a, a nice canned vino? Is that is that what you're drinking? No, surprisingly enough, I, like Riley got like a $4 six pack um, like over the weekend. And yeah, it's... It's not bad for a four dollar six pack, so yeah. Nice. I am rocking the premium ginger brewed ginger. It's ginger ale. I thought it was like ginger beer. I'm so slacking tonight. It doesn't. This is terrible. This is why I don't do victory beverages. The struggle is real. Uh, guys, um, we got so much to talk about. Last week, uh, we did not have a show because there was no power in the studio. For those of you listening, I'm gesturing all around me because of storms that rolled through, my power kept flickering on and off and on and off. And so, um, yeah, so no show. But that means that we have three wins to talk about tonight, which, you know, for those who, uh, who listened to our last episode, I think I put the over under at a point and a half. For for these or two of those games, and we came away with six points. So did we all uh, go under when when you did that. The three of us. I think we did. All yeah. Under. yeah. Yeah. Oops. Yeah, we all did under. Um, oh, that's not even good ginger. Okay. Anyway. Um. So, I think I think the way that we do this is we want to talk about all three games, and I think that there are some lessons learned as a result of these three games. I think there's. I think there's still some things that we need to work out as well. This isn't like we won three games with the greatest team in the world. So let's go through each of the three games and sort of refresh people's memories about what happened. You guys jump in and interject at any point as we go through those three games. If there is a strong takeaway or if there's something you want to talk about as it relates to a game, you let me know. Otherwise, we are going to barrel through this and uh, come out the other side, basically just all like happy, happy, because we're talking about nine points, which is pretty awesome. Sound good? Sounds good. Okay, awesome. Let's do it. So, first game, we beat Indy 1-0 at Indy. So, for those of you who forget how this how this goal went down, basically, Velarde was pulled down just outside the box, and I use pulled down in air quotes because it probably wasn't a foul. But then Tommy Williamson stood, uh, stepped up, took a shot, it banked off the wall and in, um, and uh, and that was it. That was all it took, was 1-0 at Indy. Uh, I did put a note, Griffin was the captain in this one. Again, this is the second time that Griffin has been captain. So it seems like when Kenny's not on the field, it's been going to Danny. So interesting. We can talk about that later. Uh, Julian Peters got a red card, which it wasn't a red card. Um, basically ran into somebody and it was a second yellow, which was crazy. Um, I do want to ask, Dequa had a chance at a 50-yard open net and hit the one player that was in his way. So I thought I, I figured I would ask if you had the chance to take a 50 yard open netter, are you taking it or are you trying to dribble it in and kill some time? Kev, what are you doing? No, I'm I don't know. I mean, it's such a hard, I, I'd probably take the shot. 
And and I don't know, saying he hit the one player in his way, that's like he saying, hit the like, one he player shot in his way, Kev. And the goalkeeper saved it. The one person in it his way. It wasn't the keeper. It <laughs> wasn't know, the keeper, I know, though. It was the, I know, it was the defender. Um, no, I, I don't Yeah, I mean, you're down to 10 men, too. You're tired. You've been defending all game. You have an open net. You're 50 yards out. You're a striker. Yeah, yeah, you take it. Yeah, yeah. You, you don't dribble it in. I mean, you have to shoot that. I don't see an argument for dribbling it in. Uh, but... Uh, yeah, going back a little bit to the goal uh, for the Hounds, do we feel bad about you know scoring off of a uh, bad uh, bad foul call? No, I was gonna say this is one of my favorite kinds of wins. You're away from home, you're not playing too well. You're going against maybe a past season rival, maybe hard to call India rival this this year. You know, although you know things develop over multiple seasons. Um, you know, Indy gets a few chances early in the game. And yeah, we get a scrappy deflected bull crap goal. Like if that goal goes in against us, I'm, I'm really upset. Um, not because there's anything like wrong, uh, nothing like because anything, anyone did anything wrong, but it's just like, ugh, like what, what can you do? Right. And then we sit on it. We get a red car. We're down in 10 minutes. We defend. We're away from home and we scrap out a win. Like that's, I, I love those kind of wins. I mean, like, I'm I'm glad it's a win. I'm glad that we were able to scrap out the win. I wouldn't say that I love those kind of wins, but um, you know, I I prefer something more akin to Tampa, where we could have at one point been up three nothing. But um, I don't disagree. I I think we take that goal. Um, you got to take a, a season full of those kind of wins is probably a lot. It's probably it probably gets boring very quickly. But like to have a conversation. But like the opposing fan of like, you, you just scored off a deflection and like we had a lot of chances and we just didn't. Score. I'm like, yeah, I'm like you're right. <laughs> just like and we still and got this three is points. why nobody likes you. <laughs> I will say this: this is the type of game that really made me feel better about this team because it showed heart, it showed determination, it, it showed grit. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't like this was a a game where it's like, oh, we got a couple of goals now we're you know kind of just wasting time it was definitely a hard-fought win and that's the thing we haven't been seeing with this team is a feeling of urgency a feeling of determination where you you felt like they really wanted it um i think even coach said at one time like you know the team just did not want it uh during one of our you know bad games at the beginning of the season so it's it's kind of nice to see the team want it and it show on the field this was that game where once we went up one nothing, Josh, I was thinking the same thing. It was like, okay, like now let's see what these guys are made of. Because in previous games, it, I wasn't I wasn't feeling too short. And we're going to get to some of those concerns later. But um, but no, I agree. I think this was a good mental toughness game. See the game out. Um, it's scrappy, but you still get three points from it. So that's great. And it's it's also like not only going one up and kind of having a scrappy game, but it's like going a man down pretty early in the second half like that's a long time to like you know absorb that pressure and to to see it through uh now with all that said this was against indy a team that has been struggling and a coach who left the team right after this game like reports are like the same night like it was him at the press conference being like i don't know what else i could have done like they're, they're not listening to me they don't care about what i have to say and then like him quitting that night and then them announcing it the next morning so yeah it's you know i don't i, I don't it's 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 fun 
fun feeling to be on the other side of that instead of <laughs> like a like a sorry not sorry kind yeah, of thing. Like, you know what? Yeah, yeah, we did that. <laughs> yeah. But, well, and then quickly, like going back like, to going down to ten men early, early. Um, I mean, I, yeah, I don't know about you guys, but like given our form. I was like, well, you know, there goes our, our lead. Like, there's no way we're holding on to it. So the fact that the fact that they did hold on to it and we walked away from three points against, I mean, sure, a weakened indie team that that's struggling of late, but um, away from home is is just wonderful. I don't care, man. A win against Indy is a win against Indy. I know they're struggling, but it still feels so good, even though they're yeah. not in our conference. Like, just yeah, I love it, love it. Um, next game was a win at tampa tampa which was the one that we were like oh like you just take your lumps like lose the three points danny griffin gets the first goal for those of you who forget it was off a counterattack. danny starts to play plays it out wide to cicerone cicerone uh basically dequa makes a dummy run right through the middle leaving danny wide open to get the ball back and he just slots it right in the lower right hand corner which was Mwah. cicerone got the second goal basically it was later in the game uh danny griffin started it again it was like a slide tackle pass to kenny kenny just slotted it right through the middle to a streaking cicerone who just tapped it over the keeper we almost had a third goal in the 67th minute there was this mad scramble and one of their defenders had to head it off the line um we i don't want to say we dominated this game but we definitely took our chances and tampa didn't really come to life until the stoppage time um they got one back in stoppage time they almost got two in stoppage time but like Again, this was another game against, you know, uh, Tampa, who uh, some people were saying were slumping, but like they're still top of our division. And we went into their house and took away three points. So can't complain about that. Yeah, team goals. I mean, it was nice that especially that first goal, seeing like, you know, passing it over and then passing it back. Um, and it just it was good to see it. It felt great. Uh, to see the team playing the way that they've been playing. And this was definitely the, where the first one felt like, okay, cool. Like we kind of eked that one out. This one felt a lot more, I don't know, just like we were on the front foot and we stayed there. And that was nice to see. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. I think, um, I mean, th- this is, this would be the game where like in, in Indy, I would still, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping the Tampa game is the turning point that we talk about so often with, Lily teams where they start they start poorly and grow into the season. The indie game still felt like kind of lumped in with those kind of first part of the season games where we scrapped. We didn't play particularly that well. We got the win, great, whatever. Um, yeah, following up of, on what both of you just said, this is, it felt like we we significantly upped our game. I mean, like one two touches. Players knew where other players were. Players were linking up a lot better. I mean, the first goal being a, a great example of it, it just felt so fluid and so natural. And so, you know, and even like, Mike, you mentioned like Griffin making the making the kind of like challenge pass to, to Forbes. Even before that, Cicerone winning, it, winning his header and winning it like in a back in a good area where um, where Griffin can can win it and, pa- and pass it on to, to Forbes. So, and yeah, I mean, it could have been, I mean, you mentioned we had another big chance where it was kind of a mad scramble. It could have been four or five. I mean, th- there was a lot of other chances where the uh, Tampa goalkeeper had to make, you know, some pretty good saves. So 
once again, I mean, yeah, well, I don't think Dos Santos played in this game or whatever for, for Tampa. I mean, so you can, yeah, they haven't played, but it doesn't matter. You know, they're, they're top of the table. They're, they're in form. They're feeling good. They're at home. Um, the, the best stadium in the USL, which I don't buy at all. Um, and, uh, and yeah, this to me felt like a huge turning point where, it, it looked like a different team. It looked like the team that we thought might exist with all the kind of technical talent and, and the player talent that we had uh, since the start of the season. It was it was a huge step and it's a huge step forward for me. I think in this game, I remember thinking in this game the same thing where it was okay. We've seen flashes of of you know the guys coming together a little bit in a few of the previous games, but then we always sort of regressed. And so, kept to your point, I was thinking the same thing where it's like, is this that point where is this what Lily was hoping to achieve all along? Um, and, you know, can we see this consistently? And honestly, this sort of, you know, made its way into the next game, which was uh, against Red Bull 2. We want another 2-1 win at home, which was the first home win at Highmark Stadium this season, which feels a little crazy to say. Um, it was Hawaiian shirt night. Uh, <laughs> just to paint the picture for those of you who weren't there, and then we're going to get into some of the questions that have been coming in. Uh, in the 13th minute, Todd Wharton scores. Kev, you talked about like a great team effort and everything syncing up. This was a case that there was a cross that started with Dixon that went to Dequa. Dequa put it off the post. Kenny retrieves it and just waits and waits and waits some more and then crosses it to Wharton, who comes streaking in late, and he puts it in, um, which was just fantastic to see. You could see Wharton calling for it from a mile away. Um and then the second goal was also sort of this team goal where Griffin is streaking down the side. He gets taken down just outside the box. You can hear fans are going crazy. He doesn't stay down. He pops right back up again. He crosses it to Rivera. Rivera drops it to Kenny. Kenny chips it to Cicerone, who, or Ciceroni. Instead of Ciceroni putting it on goal, he puts it back across the middle and Dequa volleys it out of the air into the net. Like that, to me, when they released you know the goals of the week this week for USL, they had Wharton's goal up there, and it was literally just Kenny's pass to Wharton. I was like, you should have put that one in where it literally touches like five or six of our players before going in the back of the net. Because that, again, was just oh, like it was amazing. Um, and then I want to – we could talk about it in the overall thoughts here in just a second, but I got to call out Vidiello made an awesome diving save in the 25th minute off a set piece, uh, and then it was <laughs> immediately followed by a bobbled corner and an own goal, which you could tell he immediately wanted back. Um, but I wanted to call out, he made two or three like pretty massive saves in this game. And I think this is a trend that we're starting to see as well. So, um, Josh, you were obviously there. We could see you on camera a few times. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit more about this game and then we can get to some overall thoughts from all three? Yeah. I mean, a couple things with this one. One was the, the energy in the stance was really great to, for this game and it kind of felt special to begin with. I don't know why, but it did, uh, and, uh, it was a situation where it felt like from the beginning of this game, we were on the front foot and we did not let off that gas. And it was great. Um, that first goal was hilarious because uh, I forget who hit the post before the goal. Um, Dequa. Dequa. Yeah. So Dequa kicks it, hits the post and it bounces out. Or not out, but like, you know, it's still in play. But when it hit the post, everyone in the Steel Army is just like groaning like, oh, it's so close. I think I was like, I slammed down a water bottle or something like that. I'm like, son of a gun, you know, whatever. And as I'm walking, like shaking my head, just kind of like angry, I like 
hear everyone start like, <gasps> like you know, like you kind of feel that build up <laughs> for a goal where everyone's just like getting a little bit quieter, um, or like just kind of builds up, and I like turn around just in time to see the goal, and it was it was great. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was the one involved, uh, supposed to be letting off the smoke on uh, the left hand side if you're looking at our stand. So I'm like running back to the, get the smoke, I'm like crap, 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 because <laughs> I just walked away from it because I thought we just missed. Um, so that was fun. Uh, but yeah, so that, that was great. And yeah, it just, it was a fun game. It's finally, it, it, it's been too long since seeing a win. I can't remember what the exact number is. It's like something crazy, like 280 some days since we've had a win at Highmark. At Highmark. Yeah. Yeah. In regular play. So it, it was, uh, with fans, I should say. Yeah. Um, so it was, uh, nice to finally see. Yeah, for sure. Um, Guys, I want to do some like overall thoughts, overall takeaways, all of this. Um, I'm going to actually kick it off here with a question from Burger Brand. He asked, guys, uh, how do you guys feel about Todd playing as a wing back? Also, why isn't Dover starting? So uh, Dover, uh, as our buddy Steve Mattias pointed out, Dover is on the injury, injury list. We're not sure how long his recovery is going to be. He did see some minutes in these three games, but he didn't start. Um, I think it was against Tampa. He came in towards the end. Um, but guys, what are your thoughts on Wharton as a wingback? I know that when when Liz was talking to Coach Lilly, she said, oh, you're going to put him on the back line. And he said, no. And <laughs> then he did and he scored. So, Kev, what do you think about Wharton as a wingback? Yeah, I thought a lot about this while watching the game, too. And, and yeah, like I, I thought about Liz's question, too, where because <laughs> I was like, okay, well, fine. Maybe, maybe he's, you know, more of a especially like well in possession he was going to be more in the midfield and that was undeniable and, and obvious but like in defense maybe he's still gonna he, he's gonna play more of like a wide midfielder he's gonna put no like in defense he was part of that back five he would fall right in the line with them and and yeah he was a defender when we were when we were out of possession um it doesn't make sense to me but it worked really well i thought wharton had a great game um I don't know if I want to continue to see him there, to be honest. I don't think he can do a full season at that position, but it might've been a scenario where he, you know, he thinks Wharton is just good enough where he needs to get on the field somehow. Um, You know, in that position, you do have flexibility, especially when we're in possession to get higher up the field. He, he wants in that, in that scenario and that system for the wingbacks to get high and, and contribute to, kind of cycling possession and, and creating chances. So in that sense, it made sense. Um, you know, he's an experienced defender. My, the only worry, and this happened one, once or twice. Yeah. I mean, he can get beat when, when he's one-on-one with another defender, you know, that's not his, that's not his thing that he, that he, uh, that he's good at. Um, but it worked. I don't, I don't think we'll continue to see it, but I mean, yeah, he had a hell of a game. Yeah, it definitely feels like a Band-Aid. Like, this doesn't feel like a permanent solution to anything. It just feels like a, you know, situation where waiting for Dover to get better and just kind of having this Band-Aid on the situation. I do think it's one of those things, though, where we've seen in previous season, Lily, how much he loves having guys that can play pretty much anywhere. And we've now seen Wharton play in multiple positions. We've seen Alex Dixon play in multiple positions. Over the stretch, he went from left forward to right back to right midfield. He's everywhere. You have Rivera that has played in, you know, as a wing back or as a as a midfielder. At one point, he was up top pressing late in the game just to put some pressure on the team. So, like, I think Lily having these guys at his disposal is just gonna further like 
lilyify how other teams have to deal with them. We've stopped at the beginning of the game. They used to, uh, uh, you know, or they still release the starting lineup, but it used to be positionally. The Hounds have just stopped doing that. It's just a list of players because it's like, who knows where these guys are actually going to play. Um, so, Although to yeah. counter that slightly, I think I did see a graphic where they had Wharton at like right wing back. And I was like, no, it's a 4-3-3. Wharton's in the midfield. <laughs> like they got this wrong. And then I was like, holy crap. Like, <laughs> I think part of the problem is I don't, I, I'm wondering if coach even tells him anymore. Like I'm wondering if he like just writes down <laughs> the player's name in a line. Like he doesn't oh, yeah, figure it out. Formation, like on the graphic. He's just like, yeah, here's all the people who are starting because I have to give it that to you. And that's yeah. all he gives them. I wouldn't be surprised if that's it. <laughs> At first, I thought you meant you weren't sure if Coach told the players where they were playing. Just like get on the no. field and figure it out. <laughs> Definitely not that. No. Um, I do think it's the latter. I think it's just they have a sheet and he just writes down the names and says, here you go. That's yeah, starting. good enough. <laughs> I'm wondering if for a while, if, if our buddy Matt Grubba wasn't guessing at the positions, like oh, based on the players, I think this is who it'll be. And then he's just like, I'm done. I give up. Yeah. Um, I was as the last point, as the last point on Wharton though, I think in, in given the right scenario, like, okay. I mean, Lily like in the press conference buildup and, and everything w- would never admit to like Red Bulls being one of the weaker opponents in the division. And in fact, I think he probably said, you know, he, he talked the Red Bulls up as you would expect a manager to do. But let's say, you know, yeah, the Red Bulls are one of the weaker opponents. We're at home. We really need to attack at home. We need to be on the front foot and have possession. To have someone like Wharton in that position who's better on the ball, who can pick a pass, who, you know, wants to get up and attack makes sense. So in, in situational examples like this and, and a handful of games throughout the entire season, from a, yeah, like a tactical standpoint against your opponent, it might make sense to, to do this again. I wouldn't be, yeah, like, I wouldn't be like tearing my hair out if we saw Wharton um, at, at right wing back again, given, you know, a certain opponent. But I don't think it's like that's not his position, I think, going forward. But yeah, he did well. Fun, fun fact the uh, Red Bulls are the worst goal differential team in the East. Uh, I think they're second worst in the whole league. But yeah, so uh, they're not the worst team. They just, uh, they, they don't look like a team. Like they have really good play. Like when Vitiello made that brilliant save off the free kick. I mean, the Red Bulls guy was like thirty yards out. I was like, you're having a joke if you're taking this <laughs> shot. And now, granted, I think if from the replay, it was gonna go wide, but by like an inch, and it yeah. was a hell of a shot. And and like, and I forget which one of their forwards, but they have some brilliant forwards too. So. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, I think what, like individually, they, they, they're incredible, but they just can't put it together. Going to read this one just because it made me chuckle. Uh, Adam Mark said, very unrelated, but the way Todd Wharton tapes his wrist reminds me of Danny Earls in the best way possible. This is yeah. the second time in two weeks that Danny Earls' name has come up in my presence, so uh, I had to give that a shout-out as well. The first time was uh, Kevin's new father-in-law um, reminding us that he has interviewed Danny Earls before, and he listens to the show, Josh, and his favorite part is just when we give Kevin the hardest time possible. He said he doesn't know anything about soccer, could care less, but as long as we're ragging on Kevin, that's all that matters. So um, well, I can see why he likes the show. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and no, uh, Danny Earls gets brought up a lot right this season, especially because of Josh Gat. Everyone's saying that Josh Gat is kind of like that heart and passion, and we want to see him more on the field, um, which is another, you know, I, we haven't seen him in the lineup and really making any, you know, starts or even being subbed in that often, which is kind of sad. I do want to see him more. 
Yeah. So guys, let's let's talk about takeaways for all three games across the board. And I want to start with something that's just really broad. Um, I think the obvious is, you know, if I ask the question, how are we feeling? I think that the obvious question is, we're feeling good. But are are we like, you know, all ships are go, we're, we're flying ahead, top of the division, or is there anything that is still lingering based on what you guys saw that you'd like to see us maybe work out over the next two or three games that then will make you think like all ships go? Kev, how are you feeling? I mean, to, to, there was like one or two points that I still wanted to make about the Red Bulls game that will still fit in the context of this question in the conversation. Um, the, the Red Bulls' performance was honestly, I mean, short of maybe the 7-0 win in the first uh, home playoff game against, I forget who, but... Uh, Birmingham. But, yeah, Birmingham. Short of that, this is against the Red Bulls. This was one of the most complete performances I've seen of a, of a Riverhounds team in the past. I can't think of how many years. Um, I, I was so I, I enjoyed I enjoyed watching that team so much against the Red Bulls, and it was a continuation of what what started in Tampa. Um, and so, given that it's kind of a, a two game stretch. And and the the signs I'm seeing, i.e., the one touch, two touch play, that players are finding each other without having to, you know, sit on the ball for four seconds. Um, all of all of that indication, on top of, you know, Lily starts slow and he picks up momentum in the middle of the season, suggests to me that yes, like we've turned the corner, we're starting to see, you know the fruit of all the hard work of, of trying to bring together these technical players and having them play to play together um, and, and have this kind of one touch, two touch play and, and kind of counterattacking. And it's really exciting. And, and I'm honestly, I mean, this, I, I, I mean, I, I, from, from the last time I recorded, you know, I took the under on one and a half points or whatever. Now I've completely flipped, and I'm like, why? Why would we lose in the next few games? Um, so uh, that's, I mean, that's how well I think they've. And now it's only two games. I get that, but I mean, what? Yeah, what are two games? And and I'm I'm really positive now uh, going to the middle part of the season. Kev, to that point, there's there's a takeaway that I had that I was going to bring up later, but earlier this season, I sort of made the point that I felt that Lily as he loves to do was rotating the, the team and rotating the formation so much that these guys wouldn't have a chance to click and gel and get to the point where they can make those one touch, two touch passes over the course of these three games. There are only four players that started all three games, Rivera, wheat Griffin and Cicerone. That's it. So like we weren't dealing with the same starting lineup. We are, you know, game after game, I was gonna say week after week after week. That's not the case. Game after game, after game, after game for these guys to gel. It's them doing it either in practice or it's just everything coming together in the way that Lily hopes it comes together. So I do think that there's a, there's a core group of players, Griffin, Forbes, Cicerone, Dixon, I'm tempted to throw Deco in there, but I'll, I'll hold them out for now. That really seem like they they link up with each other really well. Um, Cicerone making the runs that he's making, making like the, the flicks that he's making. Every, yeah, th those players in particular, I think, have, have been combining really well. 
I'll say, you know, over the past three games, um, you know, someone else mentioned it here in the chat. I feel like I need to find it to make sure that I give them credit. Um, Burger Brand, he said that he was surprised uh, when Rivera started, but he hasn't been that bad. Honestly, I think that Rivera has been like low key. I don't want to say man of the match. I know I've been pumping Rivera all season. Kevin, you're shaking your head. But I think that the way that he can get forward in the attack, the way, especially in Tampa, he was drawing fouls. Um, he's all over the place. So I don't think he's he's not the full package yet, but he's probably like a 7 out of 10 in my mind. And if he keeps down this track, um, I think he's going to be solid. So, Kev, you disagree. <laughs> I, just, I think you want to like Rivera and you know, whatever. I think he's fine. <laughs> I just, I don't, I don't expect to see too much more out of him this season. Okay. Josh. Yeah. Um, Griffin is the only player who's played every single minute of uh, every game this season. Uh, Williams has played in every game this season. Uh, both those facts are from shoes. So uh, thanks for that. I just stole thanks, those from shoes. our discord. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, you know, my fun answer to your original question about how we feeling about the season is the, that I disagree with what you said at the very beginning of the show where we're not the greatest team in the league. We are. Um, okay. <laughs> the real answer, <laughs> the not-so-fun answer. There's Josh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the not-so-fun answer is I still do not feel comfortable with our defense. I feel like that is our weak point, and that is why – we might not be as good as I think we should be is nothing to do with the offense midfield. It's our defense. Uh, it still does not feel like a Lily defense. Um, I made the comment earlier to someone that like Vidiello is having one of his best seasons. It's not because he's has more clean sheets than he had other seasons. It's because he's working a lot harder than he has uh, the previous season. He is having to put in a lot of work because the defense is as good. So he's making some really great saves, which is something we didn't really have to see that much from him uh, previously. So it is a situation where it's like, you know, I I would like him to get the Golden Glove because of his defense, not because of his saves. And that's my one worry about the season. I'll I'll quickly follow up with that. I mean, I think I've been, I, I don't think I've been a critic against Vitiello. I just haven't. hold on hold on in this last game i literally was ready to tweet out when he made the diving save on the set piece i was gonna be like i want to see kevin complain about that and then the very next play he catches (laughs) it and bobbles it and it goes in so i was like ah crap there goes that and and i'll be honest like the the save that didn't have to be a save but still was a save like for that free kick (laughs) that you can't (laughs) give him credit well i don't even think that was his best save of the game I mean, oh I yeah, no, no, no. I, yeah. He he was he's that that, and I felt really bad for him because for for the error that he made for the, for the Red Bull school because I mean, he was incredible. Yeah. Because it, like Josh was saying, I mean, it wasn't that he was just it wasn't that he just needed to sit back and make saves. He was extremely active throughout the entire like motion of the game throughout the entire gameplay of the game. The thing that kind of drove me nuts was the commentators for that game kept kind of like wrongfully critiquing how high our back line was. Like they got to sort that out. They keep getting in chances and blah, blah, blah. And that's, that's, that's the, 
like accepted risk you take when you play that back line. But when you do, you need your keeper to be active in that scenario and always be paying attention and having good situational awareness. And Vitello was spot on every time the, every time, you know, there was a chance that the Red Bulls team would break through Vitello was there to clean up and he, and he did it every time. And um, no, that was an incredibly good performance. Um, and yeah, he's, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I have nothing more to say. He's, he's a very good keeper. Yeah. So my, my next question here to you guys, and this is, again, is very broad. Are we a good team? Cause I think prior to these first, prior to these last three games, we'd be sitting here going, eh, you know, maybe like middle of the table, like battling for a playoff spot. We've won five of our last seven and have gotten points in six of our last seven. Um, are we a good team now? Like, what do we think, Josh? Are, I mean, you're going to say yes, right? I mean, we're a good team. <laughs> I, I don't think we were a bad team before. I don't think we're a great team still. Um, I do think we're a good team, though. I mean, we're, we're definitely a good team. And I still have the same reservations I had before these three wins, which is, you know, can we consistently perform? And this has helped me a lot to feel confident. And I hope the, the guys on the team feel a lot more confident than they have the you know games before these three. Um, I would love to see this you know continue to roll on, and I just want to see our defense get more stout and and to not feel nervous when we're only a goal ahead. Because uh, right now, I feel like we need two goals to make myself not feel so you know jittery while watching the game. Cav, are we a good team? I I was before Josh was talking. I was very much ready to say we're. A, like a very great team. Um, but Josh kind of talked me into, you know what? Yeah, our defense is still a little suspect. <laughs> but no, I, I think I'm fully convinced because, like, I mean, go, just to quickly re reiterate myself, I mean, the Tampa game, it wasn't like we had two chances and put them away. I mean, I think that was that was the big thing that always kind of gave me uh, hesitation in previous years. It felt like our chance conversion was insane. Like we would get three chances in a game and score three, or like we needed, you know, Nico Brett to just have an incredible shot and then go in, and then we we're going to defend for eighty nine minutes. Um, that's not the case, especially in, in the Tampa game and in, in the Red Bulls game. Could have been four. Could have been five. I rarely say that on that on this podcast, and um, that's what gives me the most hope. And it's it's yeah, we have the players to do it too. And you know, Griffin looks like an incredible USL midfielder at this point, sitting alongside one of the best um, midfielders in Kenny. And um, no, I, I sure the defense is definitely the, the weakest part, but even at that, I don't think we have a particularly bad defense. It's just. Maybe the week, you know, in in the first season that we don't have like a Vonkyzi or a Greenspan or a, a, a Hugh Roberts or a Toby Adewale back there, but you know, I'm I'm hoping by the end of the season, you know, we will have, you know, one of these three or four, or four central defenders will play their way into into that role uh, in in all the fans' kind of view. This feels like almost a different approach to winning than what we're used to because it used to be shut down defense and now it feels like the focus is much more on the attack. And if you're going to do that, you're going to commit bodies forward and you're going to sacrifice some of the defense. And it feels like Lily might be okay with that. Now, that might all change, Kev, to your point. 
one of these guys might develop into, you know, a common name that we're shouting out every single year, like a Greenspan or an Adewale or a Roberts. Um, but we'll see. Um, but if that is sort of the tactic that Lily has taken, you know, maybe that gives us some insight into how he sees the USL evolving. Um, let me ask you guys this. Last year, we spent a lot of time comparing the 2020 team to the team in 2019 that steamrolled Birmingham 7-0 in the playoffs. Um, do you guys think that this team, I, don't, I won't say is, but do you think this team has the potential to be better than that team that steamrolled Birmingham 7-0 in the playoffs? Josh? Yeah, I, I feel actually more confident in our offense than I have probably any other season uh, as of late. Like, uh, it's a situation where our offense, I, I feel like Cerrone and, like, what we have up there right now can perform and can outscore uh, any of our previous teams, very possibly. Kev, you agree? Yeah. Yeah, wholeheartedly. And and I think that we're still, I don't know, I, I, I don't think it's going to be a given that our like defensive talent level equates to us giving up a goal every game. Um, I think that could still get sorted out. Uh, but one of the, yeah, one of the most difficult things I think is, is to set up a team to create a lot of chances and we're creating a lot of chances and that's, that's yeah, that's really encouraging. 1.1 1. 1, uh, goals per game giving up right now. Yeah. Steve Mattias, our buddy, Steve, said King Kenny is the USL assist leader and tied with the team record that Kerr has. How far does he push those numbers up? I mean, I think, you know, Kevin Kerr has talked about his like legend around this team. I think Kenny has to be included in that conversation. You figure, I don't know, we're a third of the way through the season. You think Kenny gets 10 more assists, 12 more assists? I don't I know. about It's hard telling. I Honestly, I don't know. I, he's... He's done something pretty spectacular faster than, uh, you know, obviously Kevin did when he was here. Uh, Kevin Kerr was here for six six seasons. Um, so, yeah, he uh, has hit that pretty fast, and it's uh, pretty impressive. So, And I wouldn't be surprised to see him back next year as well. So I feel like he can definitely uh, get a good, you know, lead on that uh, record and make it really hard for anyone to come in and take it from him. Agreed. Guys, yeah, it, it, with 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 the forwards ahead of him and that the the number of chances that we're creating, I have no doubt that he'll get, you know, into double double figures for for assists this season. Yeah. Any other uh, any other takeaways or thoughts as it relates to these three games before we talk about just sort of the the division in general and sort of what's coming up here? Feels good to win, you know. <laughs> 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 to have these three wins in a row is, is just spectacular, and it, it was a pleasant surprise to all of us. And I am super excited uh, for Wednesday's match. Uh, I know it's going to be, you know, pretty fast turnaround, uh, but yeah, it's uh, looking good. I remember waking up on Father's Day after we won the night before, and like. I was buzzing, man. Like I, it was, it wasn't quite akin to like the first time the Penguins won the cup in the recent era, like buzzing like that. But I definitely felt like a little skip in my step. Like, all right, yeah, we got three points. I've got to worry about that this week. This is going to be great. Okay, cool. So yeah, can't get disagree. Um, guys, we've officially played 10 games, which that means we now get to look at the table. <laughs> and these so, graphics. 
That's right. You know, for those of you listening on the podcast, we can actually all look at the table together and analyze this thing and break it down. So the Hounds have sort of leapfrogged everybody. We went from being outside the playoff uh, uh, spots to second. Now, granted, teams around us, Tampa, Charlotte, Hartford, they all have games in hand on us. Um, we're the only ones. Well, Miami and, and Red Bulls have 10 games as well, but we've played the most games in the division thus far. We're sitting on 17 points. Tampa has 21, so we're only four points back from first place. Again, they have a game in hand, so that number could be different. And it's only 10 games in. We're not going to overanalyze this thing to death. But, um, yeah, guys, thoughts on, uh, you know, jumping up to second. Do we fall back beneath the line from here on out? I don't think we fall back behind. I, I think we stay uh, within the top four. I am a little bit worried about Hartford uh, just because Hartford is having a good season and it, you know, it's deceptive right now because they're you know in fourth place, but yet they've only had seven matches. So out of everyone on this list, uh, they have the least amount of games played other than uh, Charleston battery, which is another team, which isn't doing terrible. So, um, but yeah, Hartford is definitely the better team out of those two. And I, I do think they're going to be a challenge. Kev, do you think we got a shot at uh, taking first place here at some point and riding it out for the season? I mean, I think it's still going to be really hard to, to pull in Tampa. Um, absolutely doable. Um, but no, I mean, I, I think, I mean, I'm, I'm, there's, especially for me, I'm doing a lot of big talk for really only two games. I mean, the indie game was impressive in its own right, but it was, it was impressive in a different way. But, um, and I agree with Josh Hartford is, I think is the team that we still need to kind of uh, somewhat expect the, to, for them to maybe leapfrog us once they catch up in games. But yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I now I'm, I'm, I'm seeing top three is, is absolutely where we belong and and we'll we'll be fighting around and uh and yeah we have something to kind of hunt for 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 the entire season to put to rain in tampa so that all starts as josh alluded to this wednesday um which is you know depending well i like I said depending on when you're listening to this like two days away uh we are away at Loudon at 7 p.m. As we just saw in the graphic, Loudon has one win and seven losses this season, including losing their last five games. So hopefully we can get another three points there. But then we turn right back around and uh, we're at home on Saturday against Charlotte at 7 p.m. Um, one thing of note, Charlotte do not have a midweek game. So they're likely to be a bit fresher when they come into Highmark. We also have never beat Charlotte still. So that's something else that we need to consider. Um, Josh, you mentioned a little bit about condensed schedule and all of that. On the flip side of that, we got another game next Wednesday at Charleston Battery. Um, and after that, we get a breather and we'll have a couple of weeks where we just have one week per game until roughly mid-August. So that will be good. Um, but let's start by talking about the two games that are going to happen before we get together again. Loudon on Wednesday at Loudon. And then Charlotte at home on Saturday. Um, what are what are our thoughts on this, Josh? Just give me your like. When I tell you those two games, what do you immediately think of? 
Um, for Loudon, I'm expecting to see a, a whole different lineup. I'm thinking this is going to be a good game to get kind of our, you know, bench players some time to actually gel and see what they can do. Um, I fully expect this to be a game full of people we're not used to seeing starting. Um, would not surprise me at all. Now, keep in mind that we still have five subs this season. So it's a situation where even if we start out with, you know, a very weird lineup, we can kind of work our way back to a normal lineup by the end of the game by probably like the 70th minute or something like that. We might see something a little bit more akin to what we're used to. Uh, man, I really want to beat Charlotte. I really, really think this game has to be like you, you sit your bench or your, your starters for Loudon and you save your energy for Charlotte. It's a home game. We are still struggling at home. Like we, we have one win at home, so that's important. And it's July 3rd which is typically, you know, it's not July 4th game, which unfortunately for some reason we don't have a July 4th game, which is crazy to me. Uh, but it, it is still going to be a big game. I know the Steel Army, we, we still plan on having like a all-day tailgate like we usually do for July 4th. Uh, so it's I expect the game to be pretty well attended. Uh, so it would be nice to see a, a very competitive side from the Hounds. Um, and to finally beat Charlotte would feel so good especially for July 3rd game. So that's that's where I'm at with this. Kev, how are you feeling about these games? A, a lot of the same with Josh. Um, I would be a little more... Uh, I would I would want to start more players than Josh would, I think, for Loudon. But I think... I would, I would kind of want to see maybe two... two players rotated in the midfield and the attack for Loudon. Because I think... I don't know. There just there there seems to be a lot of momentum around us creating chances right now. A lot of players are linking up with each other really well, forming really good partnerships. And I, not that I think that you know, breaking that up for a midweek game is is really going to significantly hinder anything. But I think it's 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 another opportunity against a very weak team to continue momentum. It's another opportunity for you know for the likes of Cicerone or Dixon or Dequa to feel good about themselves, right. To get a goal and to give them more confidence, to give them more momentum. Um, and I think that's, that's really helpful and important at the same time. Yeah. I mean, I think if you start everyone, people can be a little, a little complacent. So by kind of mixing the pot a little bit, bringing a few players that are on the fringe who are on the bench, who, who feel like they should be starters, could still keep the tempo and the energy high um, against Loudon, and then yeah, I mean you have to go in full strength for Charlotte. Charlotte's huge. Um, it's gonna that's gonna be yeah. That I uh, from from how the from how the season's going, I think yeah, and season's gone by. You know, you circle Louisville on the calendar. You cir- you know circle Indy on the calendar. This is in in the span of a week. All of a sudden, this is like the biggest game of the season because <laughs> I think it, it could define so much. If Loudon goes the way that we expect it to, um, that's four wins in a row. You know, we're back at home against a team that's, you know, quite good. We've never beaten them before. July Fourth weekend, um, yeah, that that's a, that turns into a huge game, and I think it's going to be a really good game. But uh, yeah, feeling good. Agreed, um, gentlemen. Um, sorry, I was looking for some tweets for sort of our next point here. But before we do that, we did the over under. Uh, for the last three games, and we all took the under at one and a half. If we're saying we got Loudon on Wednesday, Charlotte on Saturday, 
Charleston Battery following Wednesday. If I put the over under at four and a half points, are you taking the over or the under? That's essentially the, if you're taking the over, I'm, I'm, you're saying at least yeah. a win in two draws. I'm probably taking the under, but so you're thinking like a win, a draw, and a loss. Yeah, uh, to be to be fair and safe, I mean, as much as I talk this team up, um, it is only two, like I keep saying two wins in a row. It's three. The indie game just felt different. It, it feels like this has been a different team for the past two games. So I think them proving it again, and and no team is perfect. We're not gonna we're not gonna not lose another game for the rest of the season. That's not gonna happen. Um, and and you know Charlotte and Charleston are are two tough games back to uh, back to back. So I'm I'm just kind of working in some statistical you know likelihoods of things not going perfectly, and that's in, in that game. Um, but yeah, I mean I, I feel pretty good that we'll get at least a win and a draw over the next three games. Josh, how about you? I'll take the over. I mean, I, I feel like uh, I, I, people are going to say trap game. People are going to say jinx, whatever. I feel like Loudon, you get three points. Uh, I feel like you, if you don't get three points against Loudon, I don't know what you're doing. Um, so you get three points there. And then at that point, you're just trying to get two more points to get the over. Uh, and I feel like Charlotte is not, they're, they're not the greatest team in the world. We just, for some reason, haven't beat them. So I, I feel like that's a very, possible win um if not a draw and then charleston battery that's that's also a tough game i'm not gonna deny that but it's it's a team that we can beat and should beat. um question is can we beat them after you know a congested schedule a couple weeks in a row uh we'll see i i think i'm taking the over as well i'm waiting to see how much you know riverhounds twitter explodes if we end up with six points by saturday and it's just like holy crap we're never gonna lose again like <laughs> no kev to your point we're gonna lose again but like that would be amazing to you know stay on that streak and you know we'd probably jump jump to the top of usl's power rankings and all of that but um yeah, I think I'm. I think I'm taking the over. Let us know, uh, you know, listeners, if you're taking the over the under four and a half points over the next three games. Basically, by next Wednesday, do you think we'll have more or less than four and a half points? Um, guys, anything else you want to talk about as it relates to the Hounds? There's one other point that I wanted to bring up, and uh, I would, like I said, I was looking for some tweets, and now I can't find them, but we're going to talk about it anyway. Now that it comes to mind. Okay. So the only other thing that has been making waves uh, is that. The Rochester Rhinos are back. We don't know where they're playing. And their new owner is none other than Jamie Vardy. So, Josh, I know that, you know, you've been sort of following this a little bit. What are your thoughts on Jamie Vardy investing in the Rhinos? I mean, that's cool. I'm not going to deny them this. Like, it is a cool headline. He's a minority owner. I don't know how much he actually is putting into this team, but he is definitely a big name. And it's really cool to see any name tied to a historic franchise like Rochester Rhinos. It's it's nothing but good in my mind as far as that goes. There's also talks that they're going to have like a Netflix show or something like that from the yeah. same producers that make uh, British Bake Off. So it's like it's they're they're going to have a lot of press, which is awesome. My big concern right now is it sounds like they're not coming to USL Championship. They're not coming to USL uh, League One. Or league, two, like I don't know where they're going. Like, are they going to be in some like rink and league at this point? And how interesting is that going to be? Um, I guess anything can be interesting with the right, you know, 
marketing stuff behind it, but it, it just, it sounds like they're going to be semi-pro instead of being like, I don't want that for Rochester. I want Rochester to be in USL championship. Um, I'd be even okay with league one, but like, really I want championship. Like I want to see them back uh, at least at where they were before. And the thought of them coming in lower league than this is kind of disappointing. And even with the, uh, you know, big name side to it and a documentary side to it, it's, it still kind of feels like, Oh man, that sucks. Sorry guys. <laughs> Kev, what are your thoughts on players like Vardy investing in the USL or I shouldn't even say USL just in, in American lower league soccer. I think it's cool. I mean, it's, it's just another, I don't, I don't know. I don't really see how this, I mean, I guess you can always make a case for how this is potentially harmful for us soccer, but I don't buy any of those arguments. I have thought deeply about it. Maybe there's an argument out there that I like that how it hurts U.S. soccer, but I don't think it does. I think it's cool. I think it brings attention. Um, you know, Vardy is a name that a lot of, I mean, yeah, I mean, a lot of, a lot of U.S. citizens who consume soccer as an entertainment product, a lot of them get it through the Premier League. Vardy's a big name to see him tweet out a photo with a Rochester Rhino scarf, like at, like at a minimum, it, it, it gets them thinking for a second about like, oh, like US soccer. Okay, that's kind of interesting. And so, and if he is actually putting money into this, I mean, look, you can, I, I haven't looked into this near, I mean, the extent of me knowing this was like, I saw the tweet and that was, that was, that was the extent of it. But, but yeah, for, to have more resources, kind of being put into U.S. soccer at any level is, is good. I completely agree with Josh that, yeah, they should be back in the USL championship. Um, and it would be a, it would be a shame if, if, if that wasn't the case. But uh, no, I think, I think it's great. I was super surprised. I thought, I thought it was like a Photoshop thing. I did not expect it. I was like, that's weird. That's worlds colliding. Um, but uh, no, I think it's great. You know, no, no disrespect to Tuffy. I wish it was us. I think you look at. Um, well, it still could be. I mean, minor minority owner, right? I mean, right, right, was, yeah. Look, so there's there's this trend, and I think that you know, with the explosion of shows like Ted Lasso, you now have what is it? Uh, Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney, uh bought into Wrexham in England, and now they're turning that into a TV show. Welcome to Wrexham. So you're going to have a lot of people that become fans of shows like that. You now have Vardy and the Rhinos, and you're going to have a lot of people that are watching this show all about the Rhinos, and they're going to like fall in love with the Rhinos, and it's going to be a thing. Like, can you imagine if we got some sort of like, if you could pick any minority owner to buy into the Hounds, and then they make a TV show about it? Like, that would be huge. Like, that's like the kind of publicity you dream of, and you want to start putting butts in seats at Highmark Stadium. There you go. So, if you could pick Josh, you know anybody to invest in the hounds that you think would sort of make a name who who do you think you're picking uh i mean i, I originally said vinnie jones and this is just my personal love of vinnie jones and like the history of vinnie jones as an actor you know lock stock and two smoking barrels and uh, all that kind of stuff but also him just being like the the stereotypical like brawler on the field old school you know just foul after foul and just rough player. I, I, I love his, his character. Uh, but I, I kind of wonder if that's a little bit too old of a player now and people are going to be like, who the hell is Vinnie Jones? 
<laughs> if you don't know who he is, look him up. He's awesome. Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, I'm still gonna say it. I don't care. I, I feel like that'd be the most fun because obviously he's you know has that Hollywood money. We'll see, uh, and uh, he could come in and make some waves. Kev, do you have any thoughts on somebody? Could be anybody. Doesn't have to necessarily be a former player. I mean, I literally just thought about this on the spot, and you might have even said sock like a, a player, and I just didn't hear you. But like uh, Joe Manganiello, or however the hell you say his oh, name, yeah. Joe Manganiello. Yeah, yeah. He's he's a Pittsburgh. Uh, he's a Pittsburgh guy. He supports Pittsburgh teams. You know, he has the Magic Mike thing going on. Like, you know, he's a, he's a bigger actor, but he also is like, he, you know, he's in like D and D stuff. Like, brings all people together. He has an interest in Pittsburgh. He's awesome. It seems like I don't I don't really know anything about him other than the few YouTube videos I've seen. Um, that would be fun, right? I don't know. That'd be cool. I'm gonna take your actor a step further and say the one and only Mr. Jeff Goldblum. I think that if <laughs> Jeff Goldblum invested in the team, can you imagine Jeff Goldblum at the games, like up in like the stand section and like <laughs> cheering people on and like that would be insane. Um, uh, I can see it too, and it's it is insane. <laughs> Him with but, like a martini or something like that, I'd be like, "Wow, this is crazy." <laughs> but I mean, it, <laughs> but it's it, it's weird. It's become one of these things where you see a lot of like current players are starting to invest in teams, particularly out west. Um, I forget who it was that was recently announced that he became a part owner in San Diego. But then you have the whole thing with LA and all of the actors and Mia Hamm and all of them investing in LA, and I think all of that just brings more attention to the team and injects some funds into the team. And, you know, Wayne Rooney would be another fun one. <laughs> we, we always talk about Wayne Rooney as like, he should come play for us. No, no, no. Like, like, he I, should own us. That, that ship has sailed. Uh, <laughs> I'm not taking Wayne Rooney right now, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to think of like players that kind of have like a grit to them where I, I feel like people associate with, you know, cause that's what Pittsburgh's known for. And that's what kind of like the mentality you have with Pittsburgh. But, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, I could a legitimate possibility would be like Idris Elba. Like, I know he's really into soccer. He's like from I think he's like a West Ham supporter or something. I think that's like he's in like East London or something is where he grew up. Um, he's he's cool. He's <laughs> I don't know. This is an what exciting if, exercise. I like this. What Let's if just do like an entire podcast about who should uh, who should be a minority owner of the house. Imagine the crossover possibilities if we got Dave Filoni to be a co Okay, now you're just making names up. Who's Dave no, Filoni? You don't know who Dave Filoni is from Dave, no. Star Wars? Dave, Dave Filoni, uh, basically, what, he he put together the, clone, was it the Clone Wars series? He, um, he's essentially George Lucas's, like, right-hand man. He was, like, uh, okay. George Lucas was training him to, like, take over, yeah. like, the, the Star Wars empire. And he kind of has, because he makes, like, Mandalorian uh, and... The, all the new uh, animated shows are all his and all that kind of stuff. He he graduated from, I think it was uh, not South Allegheny, somewhere in the South Hills, Kev, like five or six years before I graduated. So he's hmm. from Pittsburgh, grew up there. Burger Brand just brought up another big hitter. What about Mark Cuban? Like another Pittsburgh boy. Can you imagine Mark Cuban? Dogecoin? Like with the hounds? Like that's a match made in heaven. Come on. <laughs> Can you imagine if you could buy like, tickets for Hal's games using Dogecoin? We we'd be like the East Coast version of like Las Vegas. Like we yeah. it would just be yeah. stupid, no. exaggerate. Like I'm not I'm not down with this one. <laughs> 
it'd be it'd be interesting snoop to say i think snoop would be awesome i think i originally mentioned snoop i think snoop would be fan snoop's a huge Steeler fan yeah so it'd be like invest in the team across the river yeah and like Keep you the know, dog the, you the know, dog thing yeah. yeah again that's another one you see him up in like you know the stands <laughs> like him and martha yeah, martha yeah. is just like <laughs> She's like putting, you know, she's creating like a, a VIP section with like, you know, hand sewn, you know, chair backs or whatever. What about charcuterie boards? Okay, let's go. Uh, yeah, yeah so Snoop and Martha at, at a Steel Army tailgate would be incredible. That would, yeah. be, that would be insane. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, I think we've jumped the shark at this point. <laughs> So real quick, I got one last thing. This was something I was hoping to talk about last week, and then we lost power. Um, I think it was Tampa. Tampa has their own mobile app. They were they kept advertising it during the game, and so we put out the question on Twitter: If the Riverhounds had their own mobile app, what unique features would you want to see included? So you guys can think about yours. Some of these were pretty good. Um, Steve was clearly pandering to us by saying partnership with local podcasts for player interviews. We already have that, Steve. Like, we're fine. <laughs> uh, Tim Michaels at Captain Crash 95 said live feed of Bob Lilly audio during the games. Can you imagine if like while you were watching, you could just like tap in and listen to Bob the whole game? That's the one, by the way. That's the That's one. The, that is the one. That is insane. I thought he was um, honestly going to say just live feed of Bob Lilly 24-7. Just 24-7 <laughs> Bob Lilly. The Truman his, Show, but Bob Lilly. his office, like, <laughs> eating salad, like, as he's thinking about who to start. Yeah. Um, Chris Piccolo said a where are they now feature that tracked former player stats. That would be cool. Uh, our punk koala, he submitted three things. Uh, said one Lily coin cryptocurrency powered by an elaborate lecturing players proof of work ledger. Oh yeah. <laughs> Number two, 24 seven Matt Geica clubhouse style audio room with his commentary on everything from laundry to euros to USL, yep. which, which Matt Geica replied, Oh God. <laughs> um, and number three was worldwide toughy tots delivery orders which i think that's perfect uh skipping through just a couple of these poor broke bus busy guy said bob lily quote of the day can you imagine waking up every day to a bob lily quote of the day no, that, like, that'd be really car? boring really <laughs> only, <laughs> it would only be like if three it's audio long. Yeah. and it's just him yelling after the game like just clipping him yelling at the team after the games yeah. uh, when they're in their huddle and that's what it is that's my alarm clock just this lily just barking something at me yeah <laughs> Our alarm should literally just be yell Lily yelling after the game, something like, you need to wake up! Like, that just, like, it just works so smoothly. Get forward, get forward! <laughs> oh, I think we'll, I think we'll end it there. But great ideas, everybody. If you have ideas of, like, who you think would be a great minority owner for the Hounds outside of what we just said, or a great idea for a mobile app, because who knows? Maybe we will create a mobile app at some point. Um we used to have one, by the way, for the Hounds. Uh, it was literally just the website, but as a mobile app. Yeah. That's when everyone was making those mobile apps. Yeah. Yeah, they're just links to the website. The USL, I mean, the USL's app isn't terrible, but most of the things you click on, it just opens up their site, like inside the app. So, yeah, yeah. same thing. Um, whew, well, guys, uh, three wins is fun. Three more wins is going to be even funner. So, um, anything else that you guys want to touch on here before we call it a week and... Get ready for two more games before the next time we get together. If you're going to come to the tailgate on July 3rd, it is going to be in the style of uh, July 4th tailgate, which means we start at 12. And uh, yep, it's an all day tailgate. 
Uh, we usually have some mimosas and pancakes or something like that on the grill uh, at 12. And then, yeah, it goes until 7 o'clock when the game starts. Whoop, whoop. Sounds like fun. All right. Well, if that is it, as Laura Ellen cordially reminds everyone to be sure to hydrate if you're going to be outside all that time. Um, it's important. Yes, absolutely. Um I think that's it for this one. So thank you everybody for joining us live. Thanks for all of the, the submissions and the ideas and the comments. We really appreciate it. We obviously had a lot of fun with some of the suggestions from Twitter this week. I apologize. I know there's a Twitter thread out there somewhere that has a bunch of different people that would be great minority owners, but start it up again. Cause that could be a really fun thing. And uh, who knows, maybe it'll happen. I don't know. But, uh, but otherwise make sure you head over to mongols.com, click on support the show to become a Patreon follower. Uh, I need to get our graphics up real quick. Oh, I'm so far behind. Um, there we go. Thanks to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to USL, MLS, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Tired of the same old uniforms and cookie cutter templates from Nike and Adidas? Looking for a unique, completely custom kit for your youth club, Sunday league squad, adult, or even pro team? Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Let them help you design your new custom kit today at IcarusFC.com. Com. Looking for more great USL news? Head over to bgn.fm where we've now got over 100 fans that are writing and podcasting about the beautiful game. Lots of great features up on the site this week. Check them out at bgn.fm. Otherwise, thank you, everybody. We will talk to you very, very soon. Cheers. Later. <laughs>